Lousy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast presented by RaiderRamble.com. Head on over to RaiderRamble.com for all your Raider needs. Today, we've got our, the founder of the Raider Ramble with Mario. We're going to be talking about Josh Jacobs' contract, the linebacker positions heading into training camp, as well as do a little bit of comparison between NBA and, free, and uh, NFL free agency. But first things first, Mario, thanks for coming on, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on here. It's uh... It's great to finally be able to talk to you guys. I know we have a little partnership going, and uh, it's great to be on here, man. Yeah, exactly. Appreciate everything you guys have done. Jose, you're not chopped liver over there. How are we doing today? A little tired, but watching that Women's World Cup got me a little little juice. You know, it's nice to see a nice little game. That game was a little intense from you didn't get a goal until the 60 to 70-minute range. So, um yeah, another 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 win for USA, man. Another Let's win. Go. Bring another gold uh, World Cup home. I almost said Gold Cup. Shows my soccer knowledge. Hey, but you know what? Gold <laughs> Cup is today. Although, uh, as oh, much as right. I was rooting for the women's uh, USA soccer team, I'm gonna be going for uh, I'm be going for Mexico against USA tonight. So I'm gonna get my uh, jersey on and watch that. All right, this is too much damn soccer. We're moving on. <laughs> okay, I was like, am I on the right podcast? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Told you it was a football po- podcast. You didn't. Football. You didn't. Uh, you didn't know which one we were talking about, though. Football? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to some Raiders talk, Mario. I'm curious. You know, I've been writing for the Ramble for a while. Obviously, this podcast is sponsored. You know, I'm just curious about you know your background and kind of what led you to start the Ramble and what. Yeah, sure. Um... Well, I used I started off writing for websites like uh, Just Blog Baby. That was one of the ones that really gave me my first start. Uh, there was another football site called Massport on Sports. Uh, they're still around, I believe. You know, just good people that just showed me, introduced me into the business. You know, writing and stuff. I had I had always had a passion for sports writing, and then later on, I actually started writing for Raiders Wire USA Today, and that's where I got a lot more editing experience. I got a lot of experience how to manage content, manage a team, things like that. And you're familiar with our team. It's pretty mm-hmm. large. So, yeah, and just from there, I mean, obviously I grew up a Raiders fan, so it just seemed like a natural fit, you know, just writing about a team that you love and putting good content out there. You know, I think the Raiders are probably one of the few teams that's blessed with, like, just so much good content, man. There's so many good websites, so many good podcasts. Obviously, you guys do a really good job, too. And it's just it's an honor to be a part of that, man. Yeah, for sure. No, I definitely appreciate, you know, the Ramble is well-respected within the, the Raiders community. It's definitely not easy to do. People who, like Mario, who run a site and, like, edit, no. moderate, do all that stuff. You know, me and Matt, me, we're doing this. It's like, it's definitely, it's de- I mean, it's fun, but it's definitely not like a walk in the park. This is really a grind, so I don't I don't think people, like, understand, like, how, how much, like, work and thought you gotta do and just prep and everything, and the fact that anyone we know that are able to do this like mario it's just like you know I, I have nothing but respect for mario for people who are doing that you know we had cody on like chris everyone who and mo like it's just like dude just tip of the cats to those people man respect for sure well definitely i think it's a lot of it too is the business you love the grind you know yep. it's not yep. for everybody you know i've i've been blessed to work with a lot of great editors i mean some of those guys are still on social media you know they still talk to me give me advice pointers whatever it may be and it's all up to the grind, you know, because anybody can be a fan. You know, it's hilarious when <laughs> fans try to call you out on Facebook or Twitter. Oh, this is such a terrible article, or this, this, or that. And it's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> you got people grinding, giving you content. But, hey, it, it, that comes with part of the business, too, you know. You have to yep. have thick skin. And actually, it was Mo that has shown me a lot how to deal with that. You know, it's like you can't let that stuff get to you. You know, it's just part of the business, you know. Yeah, for sure. Gotta take the good with the bad for sure. Oh yeah, most definitely. Moving on to our one of our first topics, Josh Jacobs. You know there are currently six first round rookies that have not signed, and Josh Jacobs is one of them. Um, you know we're kind of hitting a, a little bit in the lull, a lull in the news period, so it's getting a little bit more blown up. But I don't know. I'm I'm sitting here. I'm wondering. Do you guys you guys thinking this is concerning or not? What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm not really concerned about it. I know I was catching up on that stuff of uh, what was it Friday, and I believe it was Vic Taper who reported that they still haven't come to an agreement, and it had to do—I mean, don't quote me—but I believe it had to do with a signing bonus. 
Yeah. And then I saw that Jacob was on Twitter, and I guess the guy was actually was blocking people who were asking him about the contract. Which yeah. Was pretty hilarious because you know it's a personal you know personal deal. I mean, if he hasn't signed, he has his reasons. But uh, no, as a fan, as a writer, yeah, it's, I'm not concerned. I'm sure they'll get him into camp. But it'll be fine. I seriously doubt he'll hold out or anything like that. I, I really don't foresee that as an issue. It's funny how you brought up that um, Josh Jacobs. Well, I saw that too, Mario, that he was blocking people and getting offended <laughs> that people were adding him, talking about his contract. Well, w- welcome to the big leagues, yep. Josh. All right, stop getting say. sensitive and figure out you're a professional that's going to get blown up. You're a first-round pick with expectations. <laughs> Watch what's going to happen if you start fumbling a bunch of times and the nation starts calling you out. You're really going to start blocking people. So not saying he's going to do that, but just saying, like, you're in the big leagues, dude. You need to have steel skin. And the same for us when we're getting slack for our opinions on here. Exactly. Same thing for everyone else, dude. Just anything, any part, dude. You gotta have tough skin. So I think that was insanely soft. I'm not sure why he's over there crying. Oh, just don't worry. I mean, I understand. Worry about your business, but here's the thing: you're a professional. We're not gonna be able to do that. We're watching. Everyone's watching. And personally, I'm with Mario. I'm not concerned. It's it's, it's freaking barely just past Fourth of July. It only becomes starts a little bit of an eyebrow razor, like the Rock style. Is what first day of training camp, this guy is still not signed. And it's like, okay, now, okay, what, what's, what's going on? Because the fact that, you know, you said, Matt, we are in the slow point of the league. Exactly why. We're in the slow point. So this is where you really, this is your best chance to get building a contract. You're not really going to be able to have to, time to allocate during training camp and such. That's why, like, most of the that's why I literally after all those, like, the mini camps and everything I've done with the Raiders, Cleveland Farrell and Abraham signed, which... It's actually funny. This whole time, I honestly thought Jacobs was signed. I thought they really got them all done within the same week. I guess I read it wrong. I thought it wrong. But the fact that he's unsigned, it definitely is like exactly, I believe, what Mario said from what he read from that report. It's along the lines of a signing bonus because, you know, it's it's, it's a little bit complexities because not that many teams have three first-round picks. You got to worry about the cap, signing bonus, guarantees, and everything. So that stuff, you know, it, it'll be interesting who, how it's going to fall out. You know, I'm not too... Not profound in that in that field of the cap as much, but I, it's not a concern right now. Until the training camp comes in, definitely no one should should really care right now. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you guys. You know, it's kind of a non-issue until camp. If he does end up signing before camp, you know, it becomes a mute point. He's not going to miss any other time. Um, he already participated in mini camp, and again, as long as he's there day one, it's not an issue. But what's concerning to me is that we are this close, and and. The same report that Mario pointed out from Vic DeFore, it's that the negotiations just aren't going well, and Vic seemed to imply that the threat is legit that he could miss some camp. Obviously, if he misses camp, that's going to be huge, especially being a rookie. And it's also concerning to me because with the rookie wage scales, you don't really see a whole lot of holdouts anymore. And Uh even when you do, it's usually with the top pick. For example, four out of the other five picks that haven't signed are picks two, three, five, and six. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're thinking about what are we doing, we're sitting here arguing with a guy that's a 24th pick and plays running back, which we've talked about as a declining position. It's kind of like it, you get I get this feeling like, come on, like what's going on? And I mean, I imagine the hold up with the signing bonus. And this is more speculation and kind of gut feeling on my part is that Jacobs is going to want the signing bonus you know, shifted towards the back end of his contract when he's in Vegas and facing the lower tax bracket. And as we've seen with the Raiders and especially with Tom Delaney, it's front load the hell out of it. But what I don't get from the Raiders perspective is with the rookie, like I imagine you're going to at least give this guy three years. Like I imagine you're not going to just cut him after one or two bad ones. At the very worst situation, he's going to get three years. So he's going to be a cap hit for three years. And then from Jacob's perspective, it's negotiation. You got to give a little bit of a give and take. Maybe you want some guaranteed money in that fourth year. But if the Raiders are only going to be offering the second year, well, let's meet in the middle ground and make it the third. So that's why I'm a little bit concerned is, you know, I'm thinking about that. And it seems to be a no brainer on both sides in that. And I think the other concern, and this was actually pointed out by uh, Pro Football Talk. So, you know, we all know how credible Florio can be. But he actually pointed it out is that all the picks that have signed before Jacobs are on fully guaranteed contracts. All the picks that have signed, which is the rest of the first round picks behind them, are not. So Jacobs is kind of in this middle ground of 
well, is he going to be, which category is he going to be? Is he going to be a fully guaranteed guy or is he going to be, you know, three quarters guaranteed or whatnot? So I think that's, that to me, I think is more of the holdup than the actual money is how much of that contract is going to be fully guaranteed. Well, it's kind yeah, of... Let's not, let's not forget, though, either. This is, you said it best, Matt. It is Florio, but mm-hmm. there is some sense <laughs> what he's saying, though, that it is middle of the ground as far as you know, where he came in as a pick. But like I said, I don't... I think he'll be fine. I know right now there's just speculation that's in slow news period and all that. Yeah. I really don't think he'll hold out. I, this is Gruden's guy. You know, this is, his, it's true. this is his kid, you know? So I really don't see a potential holdout. Uh, as far as Jose made a good point about Sam Skin, uh, after this year, they're going to be in Las Vegas. And the expectations are just going to yeah. be oh, yeah. ridiculous. And I, I really sincerely hope that this kid does have thick skin because we don't want him to be the next uh, Jihad Ward. You know, where he's blocking everybody and, like, it's not a good look. You know, and I do know for a fact, though, that they were reporting that he's since deleted the tweet. So there's a good chance he was just joking, you know, just having a good time with, with the whole situation. But it is interesting moving forward. I do think it's a lot of the speculation at this point, though. Yeah, and I mean, Jose kind of touched on it. That just It just comes with the territory nowadays. Like, you don't like people getting mad on you on, at social media? Look, people tell you LeBron and KD sucks. I mean, KD's a bad example because he can't handle it either. But mm-hmm. this is your first thing. It's like, like you just... Just turn the notifications off, man. You just kind of got to deal with it. Like, sorry, it sucks. But, you know, like it's you said. part like, of the life yeah. you sign up for when you're doing that. I mean, it's part of the, yeah. you know, who the hell's who the hell's rich with gets millions of dollars and doesn't get attention in this world, dude. It's exactly. like, it's not possible. Yeah. So you know what you signed up for, the fact that you, and you went to Alabama where you've been <laughs> getting exposure and all of a sudden now it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, come on, dude, really? Like let, let's not be a little naive. All of us know how it is when you when you get the money, you get the fame in the league at least. So I mean, I'm pretty sure he's been like watching ball and doing all that his whole life. So the fact that it's just like you're going on you're going on Twitter blocking people out, and that's a great example, Matt. It's just Kevin Durant. That's why he left. Yep. So it's like I mean, it doesn't matter where you go, dude. No matter where you are, it's gonna follow you, dude. It's social yeah. media. It's not specific to a city. It's all over. So yeah, that was an excellent point right there, Mario. Las Vegas, when especially when that's opening up and the Raiders even get more eyes because they're going to get mm-hmm. the NFL is going to want to like prop them up because they got their new stadium for that season. Man, it, it, it's going to be really one hell of a roller coaster for him if he can't handle it, especially with the Raiders are going to have more expectations, especially if after this season they actually look great and are able to build on that. Then t- Vegas 2020 is going to be a hell of a hell of a ride for some of these players if, if not going to be able to you know, get some iron in their bones and stuff like that, be able to take some shots. And I mean, like you said, like that was what you said about uh, Jacobs being in Bama. That was one of the more surprising things about his reaction is, dude, you've been under the spot. This isn't new to you. It's not Max Crosby who played at Eastern Michigan and nobody cared about it other than the Tuesday yeah. night action. You know, it's that's Bama. And I can guarantee you as passionate as Raider and Asian fans are, I can guarantee you there are some people in Bama and fa- Bama that are, even crazier probably in his defense though probably some um some fans already took like just harassing him True. like unnecessarily right now it's july it was like yeah. like i said barely past fourth of july and you're over here you know grilling him with questions why aren't you signed yet hey what's up with your contract what the hell like your like, money's like, never been what? public like like at least like be like at least like some of these people were like grilling him it's like all right at least like do it when it's actually like a time of concern. Like right now, yeah. it's like you know what they have. Uh, like uh, they have three weeks. It's the seventh right now, so they have three weeks until training camp kicks off. Until that day, until that day, then that that's when everyone's like, "Hey, man, so <laughs> training <laughs> camp, what's up?" Then then that one I can understand is logical. Yeah. This one, like, I'll give it to him, but it just it's just really concerning. It's like, damn, dude, you haven't even took an NFL snap yet, and already you're like, you're like, whoa. Like I understand, like it's your business, but I mean, come on, dude, you got to know what what you're, what you're doing right now. Yeah. Big shout out to uh, Eastern Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) I had to. My Tuesday night maxion, it helps my gambling. Well, it doesn't help my gambling, but I gamble on it. (laughs) That's not not ideal. (laughs) (laughs) Never is. We got to move on talking about the linebackers. You know, one position group when uh, we go back and listen to the episodes that I think we haven't really talked about much or even at all 
is the linebackers. And I think that is for a little bit of reason. You know, there's not a whole lot to talk about in terms of talent on that side of the ball. So I'm curious, do you guys feel that the the linebackers is the weakest or the worst position group on the team? No, it's definitely not the worst or anything like that. I think what's happened is that, you know, they didn't necessarily make a big splash, you know, with the position. I know they picked up some guys. Obviously, they picked up Vontaze, they picked up Brandon Marshall, but not a marquee signing by any stretch. And so maybe it's gotten swept under the rug. But, I mean, looking at the roster, the starters I predict are going to be Brandon Marshall, Perfect, and Mark Kelly. And they still have a lot of youth. I mean, it's still a good core, man. I mean, to hear Whitehead, Jason Cabinda, Kowser, I just think because they didn't make any sort of uh, marquee signing. You know, it's kind of gotten swept under under the rug. Kind of like the secondary. A lot of the focus is on the secondary because of all the picks that they got. And, you know, deservedly so. But it's certainly not the weakest position. At least I don't think it is. I'm going to have to swing on the side that it is definitely the weakest position. However, well, I'll just before before I make the case of that, it is the weakest position to me because it's just too much, like, not too much, but there's just the, the just the players that they're expecting like to be like the role like the starting role players like Avantes Burfick who's hugely questionable. I mean, I know Tyre Whitehead like really turned it around second half of the season, so he's like who knows with him. Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall's probably like the most hopeful I am for, because at least out of everyone there, he really ha- was playing at a high level, Pro Bowl caliber, and even very relatively close to even an All Pro. So him, I'm hopeful, and then, you know, Markel Lee and, like, maybe even Nicholas Morrow to maybe develop into something, who knows, and then Kambinda, nice, like, depth right there. Um, even, uh, was it Tavon or Tevin Coney from Notre Dame? Um, that guy was would be an interesting one. They had him, like, what is it? Was it Pro Football Focus, Matt, that had yeah. him, like, one of the second or third best linebackers, mid-inside linebackers? So that one I'm really Braided, hopeful yeah. for. Yeah. Um, they were going to have to develop, but, however – Linebacker, I feel the way this Raiders defense is going is really like a moot point. It's really like almost irrelevant because other than if they're going to play base, I really don't see them dapping into that linebacker pool that much because mm-hmm. like, like I've been saying on previous episodes, Matt, even when we had Chris, they have so much hybrid players and interchangeable pieces that they can play a lot of box safety down there, put a Carl Joseph or an Abraham that you don't need to have more than one linebacker out there. You can have whoever is your best coverage linebacker or someone that's good to fill the run that can like swing out to the flat quick enough. And then just have, uh, like I said, those two players or an Eric Harris, whoever, just someone there because they're going to see there's, like I said, I think there's going to be at least always three safeties at least half of the time or relatively close to there because just who are the players they have and be, it behooves them because Carl Joseph can play the run well and he can cover down there and get into there and do some blitz packaging. So linebacker, even though it is the weakest to me, it's like, you know, you know, it's the weakest, but they have a great mm-hmm. way of covering up what I believe is their strongest position on the defense with the safeties. So it's just so much they can do with it. And I just really can't wait to see how Gunther's going to be able to do now that he actually has like a lot more weapons, not, not a lot of great concentration of elite talent, but there's definitely a lot more tools at his disposal. So definitely use your strongest suit to c- cover your Achilles heel, which is linebacker. So. Yeah, this definitely was a reason why we weren't really so excited to talk about that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it, it's funny when we start when I started prepping for this question uh, for the show, I kind of I looked at it as you can answer this question in two ways. If you take the question for face value, as far as overall talent, you know, I think it's it's definitely linebackers that are the weak spot. But Jose, um, you know, a lot, factoring in a lot of what you're talking about. As far as a structuring a defense goes, disguise a little bit of bad linebacker play where you can use some zone coverage or mm-hmm. do what you're talking about, um, Jose, and going more nickel, which is what we're hearing Paul Gunther is doing. So I think when you take it at that, I wouldn't, I would hesitate to say that the linebackers are the weak spot on the team just because it's not as valuable. You know, I'd, I'd still say offensive line, and, you know, we've hit into that um, quite enough on the show. So we won't go into that. But I think that's the thing for me is, you know, when I look at this team, you know, one of the frustrating parts for the Raiders is I feel like the last few years we keep sitting here and saying that they could really use another linebacker. You know, I go back to last year. Shoot, more than longer than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even longer. I mean, I actually was putting together uh, for the Ramble a, a post-2000s linebacker, all-linebacker list, and was struggling to find three. <laughs> but 
Anyway, <laughs> talking about the linebacker situation, you even go back to last year where there was talk about Navarro Bowman. Obviously, they decided not to bring him back. And I think that's what makes the linebacker position more frustrating for me is knowing that they've struggled for so long to fill this position. And, you know, I, I'm trying to think the last draft pick, which was what Markel Lee in the fifth round a few years ago was the last time. Yeah, like fifth or fourth round, one of those. Yeah. And I think that's, what's frustrating. And then you also look at it as they've struggled to cover tight ends. Well, one and two are somewhat related. You know, Mario, one point I did want to want to harp or talk to you about since you said mentioned it is when I look at this linebacker group, at least my preference would that be that either Brandon Marshall or Vontez makes a team. I, I mean, when I think of both guys on the team, you know, both guys are obviously vet, veteran leaders and Marshall or Vontez has the uh, upper hand of knowing the system. But to me, by the time training camp rolls around, like, you don't really need coaches and pads, especially where the Raiders are at. What you do need is young talent, which guys like Cabinda, guys like Nicholas Morrow and Markel Lee are fit that description. So I'm curious as to your thoughts in combining Perfect and uh, Marshall on the same team or on the same unit. Well, I mean, first of all, let's not kid each other. You know, yeah. Perfect is going to be crucial for the ratings for hard knocks. This is very true. Very true. He's he's not going anywhere anytime (laughs) soon. But you guys did make a good point. Uh, I do believe it's the system that's going to masquerade the weakness at the linebacker position, obviously, with with Gunther. But uh, moving forward, obviously, I know everyone's concerned with perfect history, the injuries and all that. You know, how much does he really have left in the tank? Um, But the biggest advantage that he does have, though, again, I have to emphasize is his knowledge of Gunther's system. You know, he's a veteran. I really don't, I still, I know a lot of people are saying he's not going to make the team, but I do expect him to be the starter at the very least opening week. Uh, so I'm going to go roll with perfect on that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm not trying to say he's not going to make the team. I just looking at it. And the thing that worries me about perfect is he's getting up there, obviously had the injury con- concerns and he's never really been a coverage guy where at least with, you know, a guy like Marshall last year was a down year due to injuries, but he's at least shown some coverage ability. And like I said, like I was saying, you know, one of the big problems for the Raiders has been covering tight ends. And, you know, with perfect, I, he doesn't solve that for me. And that's, I think, why for me, I would list him as a cut candidate. But for sure, we definitely need him for the hard knocks ratings. Yeah, I think uh, especially if um, him and uh, AB are able to rekindle that relationship, Ooh, yeah. but nah. <laughs> um, yeah, Vontez, week one starter, I think I could side with Mario. I think that would be bad if that was the case, but you know what? I feel like this coaching staff loves their veteran players so much that I, I would lean towards that. They're going to start them, that it would be to hear... Yeah. That would be to hear Whitehead uh, uh, and um, Brandon Marshall, Vontez perfect on base. And yeah. just rotate out with, like, Binda and, like, Morrow and, like, Lee and stuff like that. Whoever they think is, like, better suited based on, like, personnel or what they think they're going to be thrown at. But, yeah, I think that's going to be the base. They just love their veteran players. Um, I don't think they're going to keep – Perfect's probably definitely not going to be out there in nickel. I don't see – I see no way that's going to happen. No. It's probably It'll probably be, like, Tahir, Brandon Marshall or whoever else quick they can get out there to – um, to swing out in coverage because now, like prototypical linebackers, where everyone's like looking to draft for is someone who could, who's quick and good in coverage versus someone who's like just gonna destroy a run. You know, I feel like the Patrick Patrick Willis's and Navarro Bowman's are like dying, even though those two were able to do both mm-hmm. exceptionally well. Yeah. But more so now, everyone's swinging towards coverage linebacker. I feel which is the way it's been looking at and just what everyone wants to do because it makes the defense so much easier and then you don't have to rely on a box safety who might just be reliant on just having some liability and coverage or something like that but yeah those three probably would be the case and i think i don't i don't think that would be a good thing but week (laughs) one maybe it will switch out just like last year but you know given the schedule they're not going to be able to to really like think like we need to switch them out because what if we switch them out you know ruin some confidences here you know, because we know the first quarter of that season is going to be tough. You know, Broncos, Chiefs, Vikings, yep. and then um, I don't, I don't forget who I forget who they play. Whoever, whoever is week four. Um, yeah, man, it's going to be a, a, a real, a real head scratcher how they're going to solve the linebacker position. Um, that's why I just feel like it's still like v- relatively weak. But once again, it can be masked through the safeties coming out there. 
But if how they step up, if Vance is able to step up, who knows? You know, last time he was with Paul Gunther, it worked out strongly. Um, I'm I'm just more accept I'm just more hope I'm just more positive and hopeful on Brandon Marshall, who I yeah. thought was like a an average signing, but he's definitely someone who could be a a, a near home run hit because he could definitely bring it back. I don't really feel his last season with the Broncos was should be really held against him. You know, I feel like when the t- when the whole team is atrocious like the Broncos were, you can't really hold. You can't really hold it against teams like that or yeah. against certain players like that. Like, you know, 2017, you know, certain players, the Raiders, it's like, you know, they all sucked. All right. <laughs> but last year, the Broncos, okay, they all sucked. So I don't want to hold it against Brandon Marshall. It's probably just a shitty environment. So let's let's try to get him like a new environment. Maybe he needs a new scenery. And so hopefully this is what, what he's able to do. I'm, I'm That's the one I'm really looking forward to Brandon Marshall, which actually kind of knocks out our second part of this topic matt who we think is a uh, looking to step up or be a rising star and it's definitely a, i got brandon marshall as my uh key step my key linebacker that's going to step up among the group it's funny when i put my list i did two because i had a feeling my first one was going to get taken and it was brandon marshall uh, but my guy that i really like that we talked about a little bit is jason cabinda you know as i said you know i i personally think or hope that either perfect or Marshall makes the team and you know Cabinda he didn't join the team or didn't start playing until week eight last year and he was fair one of their the Raiders fairly more productive players on defense um you know and he fared well in PFF's grading system and he showed built abilities against the run and the pass and for me I'm looking for a lot of a lot of big things for him to really step up and hoping that he can be that that guy in the middle and I think one of the guys that everyone's sleeping on I think you guys have mentioned him at least not in this episode I'd have to go with Nicholas Morrow. I yep. still haven't given up on that kid. You know, mm-hmm. he's had to prove himself to do, you know, different coaching staff in just, what, two years, two seasons? Mm-hmm. You know, so he's always been able to work his way into a, into a starting role, even if it's later in the season. Uh, he still brings a lot to special teams, too. Let's not forget that. Um, yes. I think he's probably the sleeper of this whole group. I, I mean, I agree with that 100%. You know, um, it's funny. Nick Morrow was a, another guy I was thinking of, but – you know, he's a, he's a former safety and D3, D3 pride, holding it down. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, you know, for that, like, I keep harping on it, covering tight ends. You know, I think that's where Nick Morrow can really find his niche and almost kind of be like the a third down linebacker, be the guy in nickel that um, when the Raiders need somebody that can move a little bit, he can come in and almost be that Mark Barron or Dion Buchanan type linebacker for them. Definitely's going to have to get better against the run, but obviously playing DB in college, he should have some coverage skills to be able to help out, uh, help the Raiders in coverage a lot. And that's why when we're when I when I mentioned Nickel, I always throw his name out because he yes. definitely has the athleticism to do it and the speed. I've seen it. What I do see a lot from him that gets annoying, but then again, it's probably it's a little bit more on the coaching staff. You know, partly his fault as well. I see him a lot of times with lapses in coverage where he's just like doesn't know mm-hmm. what to do. And it's just like, what, what, did you not hear the play, or do you just not know how to handle it? Or I'm just confused, like what the problem is here. So yeah. that's 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 definitely part of the coaching. It's on him as well. So if he's able to to shape that, you know, mold that sharp edge down into a nice, well-rounded, then he should be good. And I definitely that's that would I would probably be my second. And so I definitely love that pick by Mario. That would be my second Nicholas Morrow. I feel like I have more hope with him than Lee, because even though Lee has been proving that, hey, he can. He can sniff out the run pretty yeah. well. Like that guy has a nose when when you're going in the trenches, which is a str- which is great. Mm-hmm. But it's just more like like I said, the game. Like we all are looking at it this way through linebacker. It's all just now predicated towards coverage and if you're yes. a liability or not. Because you can't put then if that's the case, then what what offenses are going to start doing now is just all right, go, try covering my <laughs> my raw ass Ryan running back who can pass catch, do wheel routes, or just cut in and juke you. You know, you got to be able to cover that and the tight end occasionally. So with that, I'm just – and then to actually another run, another linebacker I'm actually looking forward to, like I said, Tavon Coney. I just can't wait to see what, yeah. how he's going to be doing. I'm not sure how much, you know, how much playing time he's actually going to get with all that veteran presence and, and already incumbent players. But he's definitely someone I think would be a nice developmental project to get in there. He's at least – shown that he can be like a consistent player and like you can put him out there and give him his trust to so i'm Definitely. really curious to see how well he does but oh, I, I don't think this year is going to be his year just based on the veterans and who they have out there already yeah i mean 
come preseason, I have a feeling we'll be talking about Cooney a lot. But like yeah. you said, it's probably going to be – it might be a year or even like Cabinda where it might be till week eight where we actually see him getting some yeah. live, live reps when the bullets are flying. Mario, oh, yeah, you... definitely, and then and then right now, I think a lot of you were just harping on the whole veteran thing with the linebacker group in particular, obviously Marshall and Perfect, but people forget both of these guys have their injury history. Yes. So as the season progresses, I'm not too worried. I know the youngsters are going to get their snaps. It more than likely will be a progression. You know, I know I said Perfect will probably be a week one starter, but what you'll end up, I really do believe, you'll end up seeing the youngsters eventually just progress mm-hmm. and at some point Burford will be phased out, you know, just with the injuries or he could just be comeback player of the year, you know, so either way you end up winning. All right. We talked about this a little bit at the start, but one thing that I've always found interesting is the difference between free agency in the NFL and the NBA. You know, one of the things that hit home to me that I noticed this weekend with all the free agent craziness is you look at a team like the Sixers who just are not the Sixers, sorry, the Clippers who just gave up six first or six picks. And I think six first round picks granted first rounds a little bit different with the NBA and not as valuable as, as in the NFL for one player in Paul George and not to rub salt and Raider fans wounds. But last year we saw the opposite with the Khalil Mack and the Amari Cooper trades. So I'm curious for your guys takes on, you know, the NBA free agency and how it compares to NFL free agency. Cause that's the one thing that I've really noticed is there seems to be more value on the player in, than the picks and the opposite and the NBA. And then the opposite for the NFL where we're seeing coaches and GMs value the unknown or the picks more in, in the NFL. So I'm curious, what, what are your guys takeaways from that? I just think it's more of a cultural thing. You know, with the NBA right now, it's, I read once that, the NBA is really pretty much controlled by the players, you know, these yeah. high, by the big names. They're the ones who really call the shots. I mean, let's not kid each other, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the top players are the ones who really are the ones that call the shots. They all know each other. They all grew up each other. It's, it's a different NBA than it was during MJ or Magic, you know, during those years. It's just a different league as opposed to the NFL where teams are built on the draft. You know, maybe the, you know, the last 15, 20 good guys to come out of the NBA draft, you know, yeah. that are marquee players. I'm talking about, like, marquee players, you know. It's, it's really rare. Uh, it's just the culture, I think, at this point. You know, at some point it will get back to the way it was, I'm assuming. But right now you just have, what, maybe the top ten players who tilt the balance of the, of the league and the association the last, what, maybe ten years, fifteen years, basically since LeBron joined the league. So that that's what it is, as opposed to the NFL – you know, you build maybe, what, two, three good drafts, you're set for a long time. You know, picks are just valued so differently now for, for both of these sports. Yeah, it definitely is a culture thing. Like, it really is the – that really is how the NBA is ran. It's not – it's really not GM or yeah. owner control. All the big stars call the shots and they dictate everything. They're really the ones that control everything. It's why you see so many of the stars like a Kyrie or Katie and even a handful of others – that gets so sensitive and so butthurt <laughs> when, like, they're questioned by the media. It's like, bro, I just want to play basketball and stuff like that. Well, once again, same thing we said earlier. You Do you realize what career path you chose, <laughs> man? And what, like, you want all the power, but you don't want the stick. Well, it's too bad. You can't have both ways. It doesn't, it doesn't cut. So it's definitely that, that way. But it's also, I feel like the draft lottery also kills it in terms of from the general manager standpoint. Um, draft lottery kills it because you can be, like, what, the top ten? You can be, like, the worst team. The worst team in the NBA. When's the last time they've gotten the number one pick? I feel yeah, like that's, that's true. Look at the Knicks. I feel like yeah, yeah. it's it's like it's it's idiotic, but it's also at the same time I get it because they want to deter teams from tanking. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and especially in the NBA, you know, you have a long season. You can t- by, by like mid season, you can tell by the time it's All Star break, you can tell if you're if you're in it or not. And by that time, that's when that's why everyone does the trades. They get rid of their players. They're like, all right, now we're really gonna tank, accumulate some draft capital. So in that sense, I get it, but at the same time, I feel like it ruins it. So that's why, like, the draft picks have no have, have no substance, you know, and especially mm-hmm. with the NBA, there's not as many rounds. Yeah. Um, there's not as many players in there. I mean, it's harder to develop in the NBA than it is the NFL because NFL is, is coach-oriented. The, the NBA is star-driven. So yeah. pretty much, like, you know, coaching won't really win the matchups and, in, uh, in, like, 
basketball in a seven game series as opposed to like you know the Super Bowl and we just saw which is why it was a defensive like a defensive beast of a brawl so I mean it definitely in that case like it's, it's like literally like two it's like the same two different sides on the same coin you know one's the players one's the coaching so I mean that's why like I, I'm so happy I like I like that I'm able to enjoy football more because NBA is just like you know just even though it's entertaining and I love it and I that's like my second sport it's just NFL I just love the strategic of it all i just love the random plays and you can still get your all-star like that just beating stuff straight up just because of a talent standpoint whereas the nba it's like you know it's just so much unknown with our with our draft picks we don't know there's too many colleges um whereas there's maybe not even enough coverage as well um i personally do not like to watch march madness or ncaa that much dude come on i can care less about that crap which is is another thing matt jose what do you got against college students damn it (laughs) well not college students come on i believe college athletes even though most of them are getting paid under the table (laughs) but (laughs) um anyways yeah i i like i said i don't like any of that but how the clippers got rid of the five or six however many first round picks the same as the lakers they got rid of the first round picks and it's like it's like cool we're gonna get those but then that means we gotta wait you know especially yeah. you look at the last few stars they've gotten between like De- d'angelo russell it took a few seasons to finally emerge and brandon ingram even though he was 18 you know but some of these play some of these franchises don't realize you're drafting 18 19 year old guys that yeah, aren't gonna re- that are still like maturing body wise mentally and probably aren't gonna hit their stride until 24 years old so it's a part of it's kind of their fault as well for allowing this so I kind of feel like they should adapt, like you know, the NFL rule. Hey, you got to play like at least two years, not one year done, because that's that's definitely killing a lead, especially if they if they ever you know revoke the rule where you can go straight out of high school. Then that NBA is really gonna suck. Then we're gonna have like such like the concentration of talent, the quality is just gonna be bad. And you know, but right now the way the way the league's at after this free free agency period, after this draft, the NBA finally looks the most wide open since I've ever seen since 2010. Where there used to be like six, like all one through eight seeds in the West were good. I mean, the West has always been a beast of a of a conference as opposed to the East. But even the East, the degree is all good. So that's definitely how the way the the, the cultures and everything all uh, switches up. I've always found it funny when NBA players comp- complain about their CBA. I'm like, you have guys getting forty million guaranteed, fully guaranteed contracts, mm-hmm. like. Stepping in the NFL, there you got Kirk Cousins who's taking one-year deals to just to try and get a fully guaranteed contract. Like it's just so funny to me, and I think that's what's turning people off is you know a lot of the flat-out just bitching. Like yeah, it's like like I think uh, John Middlecoff pointed it out. It's like one of the things that makes Clay Thompson so appealing to fans is yeah, the guy's still about getting his money. The guy still was very clear about wanting a max contract. But at the same time, he acknowledges, recognizes how lucky he is, which is where you get guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant even, who you're sitting there and you're like, man, these guys are making $40 million a year and still complaining? Like, you know how many problems $40 million a year would solve for me? <laughs> and I mean, I think you, you, you touched on it a little bit, you know, when you're drafting 18, 19-year-old kids, they don't develop quickly like... 21 22 year olds so you see Mm -hmm. guys like d'angelo russell get shipped out of la for after a year and then he goes out and becomes an (laughs) all-star and and then think about that in terms of like the colleges i mean the nfl you have like you have a a ton a ton of schools you can look to like oh that's a great program they usually put out this much or certain schools that specialize in like like a that specialize in a position group, you know, like how Florida State, oh, DBU or Ohio Mm -hmm. State DBU and stuff like that, like for defensive backs. But you think about the NBA, how many schools you think like, oh, that's a great school that where where all the talent comes from other than Duke, UNC, and maybe a few others I can't think of off the top of my head. It's still hard for these guys to even, this is, it's just, I feel like it's just an oversaturation in that point versus like the NFL. And even though the NFL is even harder to get in, but there's still more rounds. So it's like it's it's just behooves NFL more better between coaching and that's why the stars get that's why the stars get held on a pedestal in NBA as opposed to the NFL. Like NFL, we can replace you with coaching. NBA, we can't replace you. I mean, just ask the Cavs when they lost LeBron twice. 
You know, ask yeah. the Oklahoma, well, now Oklahoma City, but, but actually, yeah, now ask, ask, ask yeah, Oklahoma that's City. True. Now, <laughs> like, you know, Russell Westbrook's been driving off players. I mean, at least like an NFL locker room, if players can't get along together, they could still make it work, especially, mm-hmm. you know, if someone from the offense versus the defense don't like each other. Like, like people were saying, oh, are Antonio Brown and Vontaze Burford going to get along? Who cares? They don't play on the same, they're on the same group. They're not even on the same side of the goddamn ball. What does it matter? <laughs> The NBA, you're pretty much you're you're next to each other, dude. You're in a closed ass space. That's so point. it's yeah. it's so much different. That's why I think it's viewed differently, in my opinion. No, Jose Jose said it perfectly with the term uh, oversaturation. I think that's what happened to the NBA. It's that's a broader issue with the whole one and done in the NCA. That's that's a much bigger issue. But then you also have teams that just want the next 18 year old. They want the next LeBron James. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. not not understanding that he's a generational player. <laughs> every kid every year there's not going to be a LeBron James that's been proven with the number of busts that have, there's been in the NBA you know and the notion that a franchise would put the hopes and the finances on an 18 year old kid that's just insane you know and, and but that that was the norm uh, right now I think though like Jose said there's a lot more parity I think the league right now is a lot more wide open than it was probably in the last decade which is good. And I think what Leonard did, too, he's proven that you don't necessarily need a super team to win the championship. You know, you just need a, a one and two, a solid squad, and you can win the title. You need, you don't need to have three to four, five all-stars on a team to win the championship, which is why I'm really genuinely excited for this upcoming NBA season. It's good that there's a lot more parity now. Well, all right. We got to move on, start to wrap things up here. Jose, do you have a, do you have a quack of the week for us? <laughs> uh, the quack of the week more like quacks of the week um how about the ones how about all of the laker fans who are stupid i'm a laker fan granted but everyone knows i will not go on my knees and praise my team no matter what my team is the raiders the lakers the freaking a's no matter what <laughs> You know, I'm gonna call it how I see it, and what state, what the, what what it is, the state state of everything. And <laughs> when Kawhi Leonard signed with the L.A. Clippers, so like, granted, let me point out, I did not expect him to go to the Lakers at all. I, I really thought he was staying with the Raptors, to be honest. But he signs with the Clippers, and they get Paul George. It just further cements that the Clippers have been running L.A. since 2013. And I don't mean that in terms of they've been getting the fans. You know, once again, fans have nothing to do with the franchise running the goddamn city. All right? Just like (laughs) over here, which I can attest for from 2011 to 2014, the 49ers ran the Bay Area. All right? They were the better team. Thus, the Raiders couldn't hold their jock, and they went to the Super Bowl. Thus, they ran it, and they were pretty much the collective team. L.A., it's the Clippers, all right? They've been going to the playoffs. They've been actually doing something. You know, last season they were supposed to tank, and they made it, and they even gave the Warriors a strong-ass run for their money in six games, which is insane. And that's definitely a positive note you can take. Now you add Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and you have Patrick Beverly. Oh, my God, dude, the <laughs> disgusting defense they're going to have. No one's going to drop over 100 on them. That's going to be insane. And then you have more scoring. All those players can score. Not, not Beverly, but those two I just mentioned, George and Kawhi. And Lou Williams, then you got Mo Harkless who's looking good, dude. They have so much strong core plus a nice surround of pieces. They're set for the future. Whereas the Lakers, you pretty much how I see it, you only have the next this year and the next year because LeBron's 37. At 37, I'm not sure how how much he's going to be able to hold up. We just saw him have his first major injury essentially with that quad that put him out like damn near two months. Which is now it's like whether he like he you know extended it or something like that, it's still a concern. But the Clippers are more are more better set up. They're the better state of the franchise. They're more be- well ran. That's why they have Jerry West. So what I mean by they're running LA, they're simply just better. All right. It doesn't matter how many championships they have, which is what some of the dumbass fans had the nerve to come to me and say, <laughs> we have more banners. How many banners have the Clippers have had then? How many banners have the Lakers have had then? Like, come on, dude. Let's be real. All right. You know, I love my team. They're gonna be good for the next two years. Hopefully after that. But it's not looking as bright as the Clippers. The Clippers are better. All right, it's okay to admit that they're the better team and that their future is better. And that's that point. It's just it's so funny. I mean, how are you going to talk about banners and feel all high and mighty and things are good when they when the Lakers have been in the draft lottery for the last six straight years? 
That's atrocious. That's never been happened in the franchise, and we're all acting like everything is all freaking sunshine and fairy tales and shit. So I just hate the delusion. I just hate that stuff that people just want to, like, mask it just to make it feel better. You know, they're just so conditioned that way. And bravo to the Lakers. The way you PR and market, you really, <laughs> like, hypnotize a lot of your fans. So that just personally, like I said, dude, I just can't stand just the homerism. You know, if I'm being dramatic, whatever, it's just definitely if you're thinking the Clippers – have not been better than the Lakers since 2013 and are probably going to be better in the future, then, uh, boy, uh, I'm not sure what you think uh, is a good basketball team or not then. Mar- Mario, <laughs> care to speak on behalf well, of Laker Nation? Well, that makes valid points. But I think the broader <laughs> issue, though, is the whole thing with the fans. Because by that same token, I think you had Ray on here, right, the last episode or the previous yep. episode, and he was talking about the whole mystique thing with Raider Nation. Well, it goes both ways too, because that means by that logic, Raider fans are holding on to the glory of 30 years ago. They have been relevant since then. And if you really think about it, other than 2016 and, and Gruden's uh, playoff run, they haven't really been relevant. So it's just it's more of a fan thing. As far as what the Lakers and Clippers, yeah, of course, the Clippers have a much brighter future as far as the, the team is set up right now. But I think it's kind of it's sad because Clippers, for all they care, they can win two titles in a row, three titles in a row. Yeah. They're always going to be the little brother. But that's just the way it is. Uh, not to bring up the banners or anything like that, but it's just the <laughs> culture here in L.A. The Clippers are always going to be the little brother, man. They could win three titles in a row for all I care. They're never going to be the Lakers. And that's just the way it is. You know, it's, it's a cultural thing. It's, just, it's an L.A. thing. Let's just say, leave it at that. Fan base point. I definitely, like, for sure. Hell yeah. But I just, I'm just, when I talk, I'm never going to talk about, like, in a fan's point, because personally, how I view a fan base, stuff like that, like, I, I don't want to talk about a fan base. I'm talking about franchises as a team. How, how are you doing? What have you done lately? What are you doing in the future? So, I mean, the fact that they're holding on so much to their past is, <laughs> you look, but you, you hold on to your past and keep living in there. Your present and future is always going to be crap. It's time to start anew and turn the page, all right? Because, once again, if you keep living in that moment, <laughs> That moment does not last for 10 years, all right? So you need to figure something out. Otherwise, you're going to be like, once again, the delusion, you're going to be stuck there in a circle, being in the bottom feeders. And look, that's why the Giants are bottom in the NFC West and the Dodgers are freaking like 30 games ahead from them damn near. It's insane. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, that's that's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. Don't <laughs> can't get stuck in the, in those glory days because then if you do and just keep – it's, it's like, you know, you peaked in high school. Like, oh, yeah. I remember when I was in high school, you know, I had the, all the girls. I was top of my class. Da, 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 and what, all right, what are you doing now? Oh, I just, I don't work. I just live at home. I don't really do anything. I don't do I never did anything. I was like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> you know, so especially this is this is sports. You don't you don't live on your past. You live on your present and your future. You know, it's good to look back and live in those. But it's not you don't hold on to them. And if yeah. you hold on to them, then that's what's going to be the weight that brings you down for why you can't. Was for why you can't succeed in the present and the future. That's why the New York Knicks have been shit. They keep trying to sell that, oh, yeah, we have Madison Garden. Look at our history. And it's like, well, your history is cool, but it's not like, you know, a Laker or Celtic history. And your garden's cool, but what have you done? Your owner's an idiot. All right, so it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure why it seems like really luck to sell that image so much. It's like, you know, I, I, it's, a cool, it's a cool drawing point, but it's not something that's going to be conducive for success, I believe. Oh, definitely, Jose. And then also thing with the Clippers and the Lakers, you have to look at the operations. You know, of course, I'm a Lakers fan like you, but my God, that organization has just been... Yes. ...dysfunction <laughs> uh, the last probably at least a decade now. And Basically, Mario, I think me and you know a little bit all about dysfunction being Raiders fans. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like... Well, that's a good point, too. Look at uh, Al Davis's later years. Yes. Dysfunction. You know, no stability. As much as I dislike the Clippers... They're one of the most stable franchises at the top mm-hmm. with Palmer and, and Doc Rivers and Jerry West, obviously. I think he's the, he's the trump card. But definitely, man, it's just it's, it's an operational thing, too. When there's when it's dominated by dysfunction, I mean, you ask a lot of fans on the street, they still don't know who's really calling the shots with the Lakers, man. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, how are you... When the top of the organization isn't well-defined, it's like, what the heck? Like, I know some fans that didn't even know Magic Johnson wasn't even with the and I'm like, you remember the reason why LeBron even wanted to come LA? What everyone was saying? Because this young core that they had was promising and was poised to catapult in the near future. 
then all that happened this season, he trades them or tries to trade them, and now he, he eventually did. But it's like, well, now it's literally just a team. It's just a team now that he just picks. It's literally whatever team he goes to. It doesn't matter who's on there. It's just the. It's just literally a name, and it's pickup basketball. He literally just goes to teams and just like you're coming. We're doing this, and it's like you know. At that point, I understand it is LeBron James, so you have to adhere to his wishes and pretty much bend over for him. I get it. You're not going to waste the last few years or so, whatever how much he has, because you know you want to get that title or two. But I, I don't like it being ran that way at all. And I forget, like some Laker fans, I probably should have fired back to those who were trying to get on me on Twitter. Hey, were you one of the guys that were on the protest like a month ago or two months ago? Like, let's not forget, fans, like 14 fans showed up to protest at Staples Center. <laughs> it's like, they don't even, that's not even where their facility is. I think it's in El Segundo or somewhere, or somewhere like that. So it's like. I'll just uh, point out how diverse this episode's been for our listeners on our Raider podcast. We got the World <laughs> Cup, Gold Cup, and as well as some NBA and Lakers talk. And Jose, I think, uh, got some ex- frustration off his chest. We, a little therapy session for Jose. No, it was just funny. Just a little Twitter <laughs> episode. The only thing I was annoying was just seeing like 10 notifications every 30 seconds. I, I can easily say that that slander I received <laughs> all day yesterday is 10 times more harsh and more like harassment than... It was when I kicked the beehive on Raider Nation on draft night. Like that one, and I, I could easily say, like, <laughs> God damn it. And I thought that was bad. And I was like, damn, dude, everyone's coming for my neck. <laughs> I will say that Laker Nation, or not Laker Nation, Lake Show was more, <laughs> was more, they came in heavier numbers, but they all said the same shit. Raider Nation came into less numbers, but a lot of them had original stuff and more attacking. Like they were really trying to be like, I had some, like, even some, like, st- like something, someone say, like, yeah, some Mexican. Some, someone getting a little racial on me a little bit and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, okay, that was fun. That was interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, Mario, big thank you for coming on today. Where can the uh, good people find you? Well, first of all, I did want to say thank you guys for having me on here. And I really do look forward to having you guys under our wing. It's been awesome so far. Man, you guys are really yeah. bringing some good content. I hear nothing but good stuff from you guys. So awesome. looking forward to the future for that. And then as far as, you know, just following the site, obviously, RaiderRamble.com. We're on Twitter, at the Raider Ramble. We're on Facebook, the Raider Ramble. And, and Instagram, too, the Raider Ramble. All over the place, man. For sure. All right, Jose, where can everyone find you? At jsanch underscore 21. And follow me on Twitter, at mholder95. Follow the pod, at sweetfly. Email us topics to talk about. Like we said, it's July. We can use your guys' help with that. Email is just flysweetpod at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Until next week. It.